You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey there, this is game maker Michael Doherty. We are off this week, but we will be back at you next Monday with a brand new episode. In the meantime, I wanted to give you a taste of our Patreon exclusive, Shoot the Loot. In it, co-producer Alex Kuyper and I take a deep dive into the most recent episode and give you a glimpse behind the scenes of how it all sort of comes together. If that sounds fun to you, keep on listening and consider joining our Patreon by going to patreon.com slash mythicthunderloot. If not, we'll catch you next week for episode four, The Trial of the Borstead Five. With that, here's Shoot the Loot episode three, A Look Inside, Gods of Old. Shoot the Loot, the show where we talk all things Mythic Thunderloot. That's right. My name is Alex Kuyper. I am a co-producer of Mythic Thunderloot. My name is Michael Darty. I am the game maker and editor of Mythic Thunderloot. And we are thrilled to be back with you for episode three of Shoot the Loot, where we are going to talk about episode three of Mythic Thunderloot, mm-hmm. Gods of Old. Yes, indeed. Now, I'd like to do a apology, a big, big Ooh, apology. Do tell. It's really big. Okay. So, on... on um, Instagram. Yeah. I posted about us talking about gods of old today. Yeah. And I wrote that we were going to talk about the gods of old. Well, I'll tell you why you made that error. Why? It's because in the credits for episode two, I do refer to it as the gods of old. Because I was going back and forth on the title, but I ultimately decided to go with gods of old because... Hmm. I liked it. Uh, I liked the sound of it better, and I felt like it gave less away. Like, gods of old could be about, like, being in the old country of Karkatara, whereas the gods of old feels like we are about to meet the gods of old, you know? Huh. Interesting. That was my logic anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hear that. I don't think anyone will care or notice. I also don't think that's why I did it. Because <laughs> oh, okay. I don't think I paid any attention. <laughs> I'm giving you way too much credit. <laughs> way too much in, credit. In your attention to detail. <laughs> It's amazing. I um, love I love doing shoot the loot with you, Alex. I and love doing shoot the loot with you. It's because a I love talking with you. Yes. B we have zero viewers on Twitch, so zero. there's like an absurd freedom in that. Yeah. And because it really doesn't matter what we say. At, yeah. Because <laughs> at this juncture, we truly don't know if anyone will tune into Twitch. Yeah. Or if anyone will ever listen to this audio yeah. on Patreon. So it feels like a real blank palette. Yeah. You know? Oh yeah. Oh wait, wait. <gasps> I'm here. Says. 
Oh, Selena hello. Knight. Hi, hello, Selena. Selena Knight. Thanks for being here. So glad. Okay, Welcome. We are no longer speaking no into longer the void. No longer alone. We are so grateful you're here. This is no here. longer a weird <laughs> existential waiting for Godot-esque <laughs> semi-podcast. Well, thank you for joining us, Selena. Yeah, and thank thrilled. you to whomever else is listening on yes, Patreon. Yes, whether you're listening on Patreon or you eventually join us on Twitch. Uh, or glad you to hear this. Uh, actually, now this episode is going to be the only Shoot the Loot release for our public viewers. This is true. So, uh, actually, a lot of people are going to hear this. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> this is the least screaming into the void it will ever be. Yeah. But it's nice. I, I think we should still give it that same energy and love as though we're as just though like... As though we're just dancing by ourselves. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> when aliens in 2,000 years discover this audio to try and puzzle together what the human race once was. Yeah, yeah. They'll learn a lot. <laughs> Much. Sure, much. Well, anyway, cool. so here we are. <laughs> uh, we are here to talk about Mythic Thunder Loot, Episode 3, Gods of Old. Now, as we start with every Shoot the Loot, we begin by talking about the questions that we have received from the past uh, couple weeks of different people that we've talked to or different people who have sent in questions from our new and growing fan base, mm -hmm. uh, which has been so exciting. Which has been very exciting. We just hit over a thousand total listens yeah. on our anchor page, yeah. which is which tracks all all of the listens on any podcast streaming service, which endlessly is cool. exciting, yeah. and just reached over 300 listens in one week for this week, which is an off week. We didn't even release an episode I know. this week. Remarkable. So you know we're really so thank you. We're really blowing up. Thank to you all to, of our listeners yeah, out there, all 300 of you. Thank you we're so much. We're truly <laughs> humbled. Amazed. We are um, <laughs> <laughs> truly amazed. Uh, so we, uh, we have a single solitary question. Yeah, is we that have right? one question this week, Selena. Unless you have one you want yeah. to send to us, Selena, in which case, feel free to drop it in the chat. And we are ready to answer we are any questions. We are ready you have. for whatever. <laughs> uh, but for our first question, yeah. and maybe only question, mm. uh, it was from our dear friend Dan O'Neill, uh, who was wondering and asked just asked Mike just now uh, whether or not he has been able to prepare for every single situation that we hear on the show. Yeah. Or how much of that ends up being something that they choose that Mike is not ready for yeah. or Mike has not prepared for. Yeah, essentially how much am I improvising on as my the end DM. As, as DM? Yeah. Um, which is a great question. Great question. And thank you, Dan. Mm -hmm. uh, to answer that question, uh, I would say like a, a vast majority of what you hear, I would say 60 to 80% is not improvised. I have... Uh, an answer ready should they choose something along these lines. Like, I'm I'm basically able to predict the follow-up questions and, and the choices of our players to a certain extent. However, there have been some notable exceptions. Notable exceptions. Um, firstly, in episode two, once Edgar disguised himself as King Cyrus of Edenia, I had no fucking clue he was going to do that. And uh, when <laughs> he did, I, I I was ready for them to sneak out the back. Yep. I was ready them for them to battle the King's Guard outside of Beef Sovereign. I did not think that they were going to use deception. And so the entire exchange with the King's Guard, the entire first part of the conversation with General Alvar up yeah, until... Yeah, when he stayed in the costume. Yeah. When he decided, like, <laughs> well, this is working, and the whole team was like, you know what? I actually agree. This worked great. And you can kind and of like, hear... Oh, no. <laughs> you can kind of hear me tipping my hand a little bit in Herman's voice when he's like, so, Edgar, are you sure you're going to continue with this ruse? As, like, me as the game maker is just, like, begging this to stop so I could get back to my script. Um... So that that really threw me for a loop. Yep. Uh, I was able to weave in the backstory about the Rock Revolution with General Alvar and eventually out Edgar as the Fallen Prince, which yes. I was much relieved. Much relieved. Um, the only other 
moment, uh, moments with a parenthetical S, I guess I should say, is the Herman stuff. Yes. Uh, you know, when they, he, when he beatboxes, when he uh, ad-libs the rap, that's all just me pulling stuff out of my butt because yeah. uh, <laughs> you, de- you never know how the players are going to utilize an NPC that's kind of there to be their guide. Right. Nor did I think that Herman was going to be as involved as he is. No, Herman, I'll say that is something that was sort of uh, improvised that you yeah. didn't initially uh, Herman, decide. Herman was supposed to be the guy at the end of episode one. one and the beginning of episode two who sort of like sends them to Karkatar, gives them the necessary information right. so they know how to contact the gods of old. That Zodindra was their next sort of goalpost. Right, and it just sort of made sense as they went along that Herman stayed with them just well, in, and in fact, because it was logical, right? Because it was logical, and because Edgar implicated him so much, right, right at the top of two, right, 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 right. So I think uh, I don't think I went into that episode necessarily knowing that Herman was going to be journeying with them. No, I think I knew he was going to guide them to some sort of pub or something. And but now his name is smeared in the town. Now, oh, yeah, now yeah, he's yeah. going to be in it w- trouble. It was the monk that so did it. So he has to leave with them. He had to get out of dodge. Yeah, 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 so yeah. now he's he's he. You know, he's along for the journey. It's very exciting. Yeah, pretty great. <laughs> um, yeah, and then there are definitely some more moments like that as we go along yeah, in yeah. the series. I'll be sure to be to, to note them as yeah, we go. Yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll be noting them in Shoot the Loot as we go. Uh, the other thing is, if you join our Patreon at a pretty high level, what's the, what's the level where they get the whole script? I believe that's the $20 level, Gods of the Pond. At the $20 level. Or no, the Secret Keepers. The Secret Keepers. The Secret Keepers, yeah. So at the Secret Keepers level, you can uh, get Mike's entire script, which the entire script that he writes beforehand, before he knows anything that they're going to do, has every option of what they might do, of every option that he thinks he's offering them, Mm -hmm. and what happens if they do that thing. So you can see the multiple versions of what might have happened in this story. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, It's wild. with could episode, be a very different thing. I, I might have mentioned this last time, but with episode two, it was it was extensive. Like there's a whole oh, yeah. there's a whole subplot with the revolutionaries that uh, could have unfolded and did not. Yeah, and you know, um, in this episode, in episode three, uh, I play through the episodes with Mike it's before true. before he plays it with the team. Very helpful. So we step. can make sure that everything is clear, and we are like tracking their emotional tracks just to see. We want to take care of them, and we want to take care. Yeah, of Yeah, make audience. sure it's all logical. Yeah. So yeah, we want to make sure it all works. And something that happened when I was playing episode three with him Mm -hmm. was we reached the temple and they were about to make their sacrifice. And I said, oh, God, I really hope they do just an acapella song here. My impulse is an acapella song. I I really hope that that they do an acapella song. And Mike was like, well, they'll do whatever they want. (laughs) We can't tell them what to do. And I was like, I know we're not saying anything. I just really hope that that's what happens. Goddamn prophet. Look, that's all I'm saying. Wow. Look. So, well, cool. you know, I pretty love cool. That. They did do an acapella song, and I was really proud of myself. <laughs> well done, <laughs> I started Alex. jumping up and down, because I also watched the session silently. <laughs> Selena Knight says, it was a great song. Thank you, Selena. I, I do truly love that one. That was that was written by Jake, and then I had the extreme pleasure of uh, picking the key and writing the harms and yes. the bass part for it. So it was a really, really super fun collab. That's one that you, you'll you hear in our house pretty frequently. <laughs> we do sing that one a lot. <laughs> we sing a lot of these tunes a lot. A lot, lot. a lot, a lot. <laughs> 
Sarah, we'll um, use your worm. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I think that's our only question that we have. Yeah. Uh, if at any we've time... Got, we've got one new viewer. Oh, oh we got oh, one more question. Oh, Selena. Question. Awesome. Hold on. So what is the craziest thing you had to cut wow. from the show? That's such a great question. That is a great question. Oh, my God. So I'll answer that question only referring to the content we've seen so far. Yes. I think th- there's nothing... Well, you know, crazy. I mean, like, you know, episode two, like, not using any of these, like, revolutionaries that are in Red Fear. That was a pretty significant cut because, like, there was, like, upwards of five characters they could have interacted with that they didn't even meet, which is just a pretty wild thing. Um, But other than that, in episode three... Uh, th- was there not something in three? I, 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 that episode two plot point just distracted me from it. Um, oh gosh. Uh, I don't know. Episode three, it really felt like they went on the path. Mm-hmm. Uh, they stuck with the track as best as they could. You know, I'll say in episode three. Oh, 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 that was something that didn't unfold. But what was cut from the show is, yeah. is a different question. And in terms of what was cut at the top of two there, <clears throat> excuse me. Here. Get, oh God. Getting emotional. <laughs> He's just literally choking. Yep. At the top of two, there is an announcement from the Herald. We hear another announcement. Yes. He comes out before they go into Beef Sovereign, uh-huh. or no, while they're in Beef Sovereign, uh-huh. and he says, you know, hey, hey, and he announces that uh, there has been a bit of a conflict. At the breaking of the grounds at the Talia Shire Mines. I believe I used a terrible pun and said, uh, we have groundbreaking news (laughs) from the groundbreaking (laughs) ceremony at the Talia Shire Mines. Is that a pun? (laughs) Hey. And, uh... And so it just it just signals that like there are people from North Taliashire who are not super cool with this uh, environmentally unfriendly uh, new dig, and they protested it. it. There was a bit of a skirmish, um, but you know people have been apprehended. So so that didn't make the cut. You know what else I'll say is in episode one, um, they made a song in, in actual gameplay. They created a song oh, yeah. at the campfire the night that they camped in the at, in the meadows before they reached Borstead. So uh, they had they played a song, their their first song together there, actually. Uh, and because of storyline, because we wanted it to be clean, because we wanted beginning, middle, and end, and we wanted that song, that first song they played together to be in the temple, we decided oh, to, actually, to I, cut that I don't remember that, piece. actually. Yeah, and it wasn't a big moment. I think they said they have a little jam session. They oh, like... no, no, no. I, I think I know what you're thinking of. It's a little different than you're remembering. Oh, okay. It actually took place in episode two. No, 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 no. It's different then, yeah. Oh, okay, I'm okay. thinking of the one from one because we had to we had to reorganize one a little bit, I thought. I don't I don't believe so, but but here's here's one that, that took place during episode two. They were at the campfire in Fort Carlisle. Yeah, I remember that one, too. And so uh, they're playing the song. Um... And uh, they, they, instead of, uh, what's the song? Uh, this is the music, is the music. W- which unfolds as, as an extension of their debate. Um, Jocasta, in gameplay, said, I'm going to try to play a little lick that feels folky but verges on rock to right. kind of test the waters. So they sort of invented folk rock at the campfire. Um, and, and just did like a sort of instrumental thing, which we were thinking of creating. We like the idea of musicalizing the actual argument better. Right. So it could be more like song focused. And not only that, but they have a song that the band plays at the end of the, at the end of the episode. And right. we knew that already. And it felt so more we compelling. we didn't want them to do another live performance 
for people right. when there was a bigger one at the end. Well, and especially since it, it revolves around the creation of folk rock. Right. And for it to have already happened in the episode and for them to just do it again later feels less significant. Totally, totally. So that yeah. that's the only one I so remember, though, in terms one, of like though. a song that they put out there. Yeah, for sure. Uh, that got cut. They have We've gotten no complaints from them yet. I do keep waiting for the day when they're like, excuse me, but I played that very differently. But it's not that different no. when we put it together. I will, ne- I will never betray <laughs> the player's intentions. No. I will just truncate. And honestly, or, or omit another really big reason joke. why Herman exists is so that he can remind the players what oh, happened yeah. from week to week. If oh, yeah. they don't remember what their thing is, you know, it's we have long periods of time between sessions sometimes. So <laughs> Herman is often there to be like, remember, these are the three things that they wanted us to do. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> bless him. Yeah, bless him. So um, that's, that's the other thing. It's like, even if they did hear it, they might not remember what they played anyway. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so thank you, Selena, yes, uh, for the question. Definitely. Um, I'm glad to, it, it uh, gives us another opportunity to, uh, to bicker about the actual yeah. uh, goings on of the podcast. Which the other thing I'd like there. to I'd like to put out there is Mike in our first session in mm-hmm. our first shoot the loot episode felt a little guilty because he felt like he was um actualing me. Yeah, which quite I think a lot. I called myself out on. Which he did he called himself, and he was like, "I just feel like you know, I, you're you're I love you, and you're a you're a woman, and I don't want to be telling you to shut up <laughs> about things or constantly telling or you or constantly you're wrong. telling you you're wrong." <laughs> However, what I would like to say as a caveat is that mm-hmm. this thing really lives in his brain I being a producer get lots of the information but mm-hmm. I don't need to have it organized in my head quite the same way that he does so I'm thinking about a lot of different things Absolutely. than he is meaning I don't always have all the details of the exact storyline down so please never come down on him for correcting me <laughs> you don't have to come detail. to my defense uh, I'm not I don't have a brain for details in the same way well thank you my love hey do you want to transition into yes. into going scene by scene in the, yes. in the so let's start talking about the episode so great. So we, we start. Uh, we've they've just created folk rock. Yes, the people are still the people celebrating, are screaming. They're being so gracious about thank you, and they're calling out to their yeah, fans. Yeah, it's very it's, cute. It's a very sweet moment. I, I was so excited to play this episode because I finally got to fully explore my terrible Michael Caine impression mm-hmm. in Sheriff Gutendell. Who? Yeah, I you wouldn't know. call it terrible. <laughs> well, thank I you. I think it's kind of good. It's mildly good. I, I, you know, it's cartoonish. Rebecca Gudelunas <laughs> called it, uh, 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 you know, uh, Michael came with a cold. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that feels, feels right. Feels uh, So Michael Kane with a cold comes yeah, in. you know, he he guides Sheriff them to Putin the palace. Uh, has them, you know, hitch up their steeds. Now, this whole sequence, as I'm sure you can tell, is very Wizard of Oz in Whoa. terms of... Yeah. Uh, very Wizard <laughs> of Oz in terms of them getting into the palace, the little guy popping out with his... Yeah. With no the, one gets in to see the wizard. You know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was so excited for the, for the parody. Uh, and, and obviously, like, everything that unfolds, like, everything has already been done. They, they've, they've restored peace to the land, so we're just, like setting up and ramping into this first big musical moment of the episode, which is one of those few moments that I actually write into the gameplay as a song. Peace has been restored to the land. I describe to the players. I think I originally described it as, uh, I think you're going to like it here from Annie meets uh, like 
Ding Dong the Witch is Dead yeah, from Wizard of Oz. That feels right. But like, also kind of meets Merry Old Land of Oz. Yes. Of Oz. And I think you're going to like it here was definitely our music, our biggest musical inspiration. Uh, this was one of the first songs that Jake ended up saying, like, you know, maybe this isn't the song that I'm supposed to be writing. Maybe uh, it's sort of one of those things where I should pass this off to one of the musical theater proficient people. So for this song, we pulled in a dear friend of, of mine and, and my. Matthew Mastronardi. Mm -hmm. He's a pianist, composer, actor uh, who I've worked with for many years. He, we used to coach students together, and yeah. he's just one of my favorite dear, collaborators dear on the planet. So he was super excited. He's a Mankin head for sure, Alan Mankin head, uh, and and really took a lot of inspiration from those sounds and, yeah, for and sure. those themes. And it was the first uh, song that I got to collaborate really directly on. Like I wrote the. I got to write the lyrics for it and, um, uh, you know, sort of take the, the first pass at melody. Maddie kind of zhuzhed it up a little bit and, um, uh, you know, added some, some, new, uh, some new melody lines and some harmony. And, uh, and then Dan Kazemi, uh, this was his first major collab on a song, not just as an underscorer. Right. Uh, he he wrote that fabulous uh, underscoring for the song that you hear. So it was a really fun collab between the three of definitely, us. Definitely, definitely. Loved doing that. Uh, yeah. And then, uh, sorry, uh, and we were we then recorded all those backdrops. Yes. Yeah, so, so yeah, Dan, Maddie, me, and Alex yeah. are the entire chorus. Are the of whole chorus. Singers. So we each recorded. Uh, at least one line of, of the harmony. So we all did every harmony. Yeah, there's and like, a three-part harmony. And just tried to do it in different voices. <laughs> As many different voices with, diff good. <laughs> with different intentions. Very um, fun. Very fun. Um, Super fun. So yeah, we finally get to that moment... Uh, that song happens. They yeah, get and and I'll also say, Steve, this is one of my other favorite things that gets cut from the episode is when Mike described the song, oh Steve, who is not a huge musical theater <laughs> fan, I'll say, he's way more into the rock genre. No, I'll say, you could say Steve, question mark, Roscoe, Roscoe question, question mark. Roscoe, question mark, who's to say? Um, but he definitely, as soon as Mike described what it, he was like, what are you doing to us? <laughs> because he's also the drummer, so he knows that most of the songs he's going to have to lay something down for. <laughs> so. He's going to get his DNA in it and uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. be ashamed of the association. <laughs> but um, I think it, it's a banger of a tune. I love Super it proud so of much. And you know what? I'll say in my head for our live shows, when we do eventually do live shows, I've got the choreography all figured out in my head. I've got oh, this sure. whole thing. <laughs> It'll just be me, you, Dan, and and maybe I guess we could get maybe a couple ringers. We should get like the like the stage crew to join us. Oh, my maybe. Heavens. Oh, yeah. I think it's going to be great. You're Can't a visionary. Can't wait for live shows. You're a visionary. Um, so then we move on from there. We start heading uh, after the song ends. Pugface is thrilled of course yep. because she's our local enthusiast Which I love as that is Joe Costa I love it so much because the reaction you hear Pugface give is like woo that was amazing which is happening in gameplay based on a song that has not yet been written or taken place Yeah, I think I made up like an end of a song and oh, finished yeah. so welcome to Carshoten the will has called you to the queen I, that is what I improvised <laughs> and, and she's like that was amazing so the, the reaction you're hearing is actually what she did in gameplay play, not in reaction to the actual song, but it right. feels so 
Oh my gosh, she's just right. an amazing player. So good, so fun. Um, so they get escorted back. So then they get escorted back, and fun little thing, which yeah. which Mike did add that he is, was gonna skip or um, kickball change down the hallway. Yeah. Edgar really picked up on it in a way that we weren't sure because Edgar going into this episode, we were very nervous. Yeah, what's he gonna want to do? It's as sister, creators, right? You know. He was very. He had a lot of violent tendencies towards her. He was feeling very much so like. We weren't sure if he was going to cause a real problem and either do something to hurt the queen or be punished for attempting to do something yeah. to hurt the queen in a way that would stop their journeying in some way. So we were nervous. But for then sure. he started kickball changing down the hallway. And what I kind of went like, oh, do is the red for Okay, all right, all right. Yeah. He's feeling, maybe he's not feeling so bad. And then Jocasta's brilliant improv yeah. kicks that. And now this is a fun sound effect issue that Jake really wanted a sound effect for kickball change. But if you're a dancer, you'd know that kickball change is really just two steps. It's all you hear. It's soundless. Kicks don't make noise. Kicks don't make noise. So I was like, Dan, Kazemi, uh, I was like, Dan, I really need you to help us figure out how to illustrate those kickball changes without us having to do a literal, like, step, step, back, back, because you just wouldn't be able to hear it very well. So, and I think he did such a yeah, good job. Yeah, yeah, his little piano company oh, there is pretty fantastic. Go back fantastic. and listen to that. It's so excellent, the way he describes it musically. So they finally get to the holding chamber. Mm-hmm. Edgar has his little panic attack moment. Uh-huh, and we have our first moment. Oh, no, well, first moment for Edgar. So uh-huh. earlier in what was it episode two where the girls or was it episode one where the girls calm Roscoe that, down that, that's an episode one arc yeah yeah they, yeah. they do the back the rub burping neck, pat rub his neck pat rub his neck uh, and then doing a little humming or something right maybe not is, is it, there a third thing it's a, it, no it's just a, 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 a backpack and, and, and a chin scratch chin scratch um, but so then, then but then, but then, in the end, in the end of episode one, Roscoe joins in by that by sort of squeezing his shoulders for right, he grabs right, him by right, the arms. Right, right. I think he says, and yeah, then, yeah, yeah. And then she does the burping pat and Pugface does it. It's it's a great little like full circle moment in yeah. one, uh, which which. Edgar now needs again that level of like attention and care. I do really love, I'll say, something that happens when Edgar is sort of losing his cool. Um, Jake, Jake is so good about sounding really confident in his in his words that he's chosen. Uh, However, when Edgar stops feeling totally confident, or when Jake doesn't totally know how to express what. Edgar is feeling, he devolves, his language devolves so quickly. It's he'll start a sentence so well and then he gets into it and it's the the one where he's like, Well, you not often you get to see a queen. What are you talking about? What's happening? Um very funny. so love that. Again, as game makers, well, as well, me as outside game maker, we were very nervous as we were about to open this door and head in to talk yeah, to the oh queen because yeah, oh yeah. anything could have happened. Um, but, you know, for if we're worried about an, an assault on Kistani, she is, as you would imagine, a very well-protected yes. sovereign I mean, he could have done guards. something really fast and if he had rolled really well, there was a world that he could have hurt her, you know? We don't know. We don't know. But know. he didn't. We he didn't know. try to do anything. Thank goodness the guards were All I'll say particularly is it, it would intimidating. Have, an attack would have provoked a lot of opportunity attacks. When, I mean, he wouldn't have gotten out of there with 
his life. <laughs> he maybe would have I mean, if you're going to try to kill a sovereign in their throne room, that's, that's not going to go well. And, like, he already was at risk of being killed to begin with. Like, they, oh, were, yeah. they were I mean, he's literally banished not sure whether or not he, yeah. they were going to kill him now. Right, so, yeah. Even if he didn't stir the pot. God, I'm so glad that he Which didn't Which he die. still stirs the pot in his own way. Yes, he, he's he does. He's very, you know, insubordinate to her and, yeah, yeah, yeah. and criticizes her army and her, you know, command. Absolutely. And, which escalates quickly. And then we have our, that's where we have our fantastic guest appearance. I was going to say, you from, want to talk about Jay. From Jay Ladymore. Uh, she's a dear friend. We did uh, Christmas Carol together at Milwaukee Rep. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, she's moved on to do everything in the Chicago theater scene. Yeah. And multiple TV appearances. And this show is is such a huge get, like a series regular. It's so freaking Oh my cool. god, yeah. So she's on the show, as we said in, in on the podcast, she's on the show 4400 mm-hmm. on the CW. Yeah. Uh, about a, about 4400 people who get transferred from a different point in time to the present day. Yeah. And she is one of those people. Yeah. She's um, from the 50s. Yeah, and, from uh, the 50s. Yeah, it's, it's yeah, all marginalized people, which mm-hmm. is the sort of subversion, because it's a, it's like a reboot of a show yeah. from like the early 2000s. Yeah, which I did not know that show. Um, yeah, yeah, it was called the forty four hundred then, uh, yeah. but yeah, it sounds like a really poignant uh, updating of that story, and should be super awesome. And yeah, y'all super should check awesome. it out. Definitely. Um, um, but yeah, she gives a great performance. Yeah, as and then how was recording with her? Oh, it was delightful. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, like literally, like I, I, you know, I voice all the NPCs when we do the actual gameplay, and I'm always curious to see how similar the characters' impulses are going to be when the guest voice is recording. And in the case of Jay, like, she was just, like, right on the money with exactly what my expectations were in this deeply satisfying way. I was like, I have no notes. (laughs) That was great, you know, so. Yeah. She killed it. Yeah, she did such a great job. And we got got that great scene. I I really love how that one unfolded. Yeah, I do too. And then we get to meet Edgar's lost love. Yeah. Giselda. Giselda Glass. Zelda Glass walks in and stops the room. Um, she is a sex positive, uh, powerful lady yeah. who, who you know, is very popular. Yeah, she you know she's fourteen hundred years old, so mm-hmm. she's had you know she's been around. She's had a lot of experience. She's got the trust of the queen, clearly. Even though she's, the she's of the queen. even though she's pretty able to be friendly with Edgar and talk to him about whatever, it just shows how much sway she has in this place. Yeah, and how and much autonomy confident. she has. Yeah, yeah, talking yeah. him through these things and guiding yeah. them there. Yeah. So so yeah, it was this it was this delightful moment to sort of like you know put Edgar through the ringer a little bit more, just like. In terms of being embarrassed in front of his friends, I yeah. really, I really did enjoy writing that sequence. Yeah, uh, he's hard to embarrass too. He is. He is. He's <laughs> not a guy who embarrasses easily. Another great sequence with some great improvs there from our players. Oh God, yes, yes. And oh some, God. and some great. You go sell your oats. <laughs> <laughs> and some great underscoring from Dan too. We get like oh, yeah. some bongos happening as soon as she appears. She's like, so mysterious. She's There's a... something really like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's captivating like, she's about the her. Vamp. She's got all the power. It's great. <laughs> love her, love her. Um, she brings them into the sanctuary of the gods, which yep. they now finally have access to, um, where they must make which also another brilliant moment of underscoring. Dan has this sort of like video game level up or level complete sort of like flourish when those doors finally open and it's so fantastic. Oh, God, yeah, yeah. Because we get to just fully enjoy the fact that they've been fighting for this. I know, for, yeah. For, at like, least at least since the end of the first episode. Right. Since since this is our their first huge conflict that they're now able yeah. to for like an episode and a half they they've yeah. been trying to do this. 
Yes, and they yeah, accomplished and it. Yeah, and now so they're here, so it's exciting. It is an exciting little mm-hmm. moment. And then, as we said, they mm-hmm. lead into their acapella tune, uh, which, which we leave in their their improv attempt at, at acapella. Oh my gosh, when they accidentally sing the, or, or unwittingly sing the uh, 2001 uh, Space, Space Odyssey, Odyssey theme song. Theme. <laughs> Oh my gosh! It was so funny. It was just it was just happening organically, and then Steve saw the <laughs> Steve moment just and saw seized it. it. He just knew. <laughs> I I couldn't breathe. I was laughing so hard. I thought it was the funniest thing ever. <laughs> and it was just a Leah moment of like, let's do it a cappella. Yeah. Like yeah. For no particular reason, they have their instruments with them. Except yeah. For there's no reason for them kit. to not pull their instruments out, other than the fact that they were just like, let's just make it easier. Let's just <laughs> let's do, do. Yeah. Yeah. Let's make let's it just, easy. Let's just don't worry about. Yeah. We'll just do something fun. So they made the exact choice you wanted them to make. I can't believe it. Which led In to total shock. A brilliant uh, doo-wop number that that Jakey wrote, oh, uh, which God. was just so awesome. Dindra. Wozo Dindra mm-hmm. is so good yeah. and so fun. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, I'll say after listening to it now several times, <laughs> there is still, I am I do still wish we had one final slowed down <laughs> uh, moment at the end where we get a really good moment with the bass singer. You know, like there was something that I was still missing from the song that when we release the the uh, the album, maybe we'll be able to do a re-record and and get that final little moment in there. I think it's pretty great. Dan agreed with me. I'm just saying. Sure. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we have that lovely little tune, and uh, and then the the gods are summoned. I was really looking forward to this sequence too because. Uh, we have this sort of like extensive sequence where all the <laughs> yeah. gods get summoned, yeah. much to the chagrin of our players who yeah. have to sort of like wait through this absurd introduction of me just talking yeah. to myself. Which with, we also sort of knew was going to, we didn't know when they were going to realize sort of what was yeah, happening. Yeah, right. And then they do such a great job of responding in real time. Yeah, yeah, clocking. Wait, are you going to go through all of them? <laughs> yeah, really, really deeply satisfying. And it, now you can talk a little bit about those voices. Yeah, you know, I, it was the first time that I had like a sequence where I had to voice a lot of characters at once so I kept uh, writing in my script little notes to help me remember which terrible impression of someone I was going to (laughs) do you know because that's the thing when you're just doing voices like it as long as they sound different from one another it's fine because I'm not claiming that I'm doing impressions no but I would write like parenthetically to uh you know, four-tier god of chance, Richard Kind, so that I would... I could kind of do the thing where he talks out of the side of his mouth, you know. <laughs> but it doesn't sound like Richard Kind. No, it's no, no. It's my like terrible an, Richard Kind impression. It's spirit of Richard yeah, Kind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? some, some, some energy. <laughs> some voice found influenced within Richard kind. by Richard Kind. So, uh, yeah, a very, a very... Do you uh, want to go through and say which ones they were? Oh, gosh. I don't even know if I remember all of them at this point. Well, we uh, can try, right? So he first calls um, Gaiades, right? Yeah, he calls Mares first. Oh, Mares first, right? Really, who they yeah. already met. Yeah. Who and Mares is based on. I no, really no one. It was just kind of the the voice I discovered at the end of E One. Although I'll say yes, the voice, but like the actions and what you were thinking of as Mares, there was like a little Lebowski in there, right? There was like... I guess a little bit, yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of like the, yeah, the the schlub who kind of has to like get ready for a big occasion. Right, yeah. right. 
Yeah. Uh, then Gaiades, who is who we've heard about before, who is Daphne's mother, mm-hmm. um, Daphne the Wood Nymph, who we first saw in episode one. Yeah, and I just kind of pitched my Daphne voice that no one ever heard right. up a little bit. Right. So he just took the initial Daphne Daphne voice uh, that was covered by Landry Fleming's beautiful performance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then yeah, pitched it up so that it's yeah. felt in the same world. Um, then who's next? God, I I really don't remember. I I will not be good at this game oh, of remembering God. the. Equ- the, the sequence or... Can't remember any of them? Or the, or the inspiration. I, I've been told that uh, Domino kind of sounds a bit like Steve Zahn. Uh-huh. Sure. Um, oh, sure. oh, here's one. Uh, Athaman, the god of wisdom, is our buddy, is my impression of our buddy Dito Van Rygersberg. Oh, yeah, who's yeah. Who's a, a Philly actor, clown, and, and drag queen. And that's one queen. that everybody really liked. So that, that was the one Joe Costa was like, oh, I like him. Yeah, well, he's the <laughs> only one who says something kind to them. Yeah. I'm so glad you came all this way. Isn't that him? No, oh, he's no, like, the... oh, look at them. How could you want to destroy them? Oh, right, 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 right. No, the goddess of love. Yeah, is yeah, the one who Zemira. Said that one. She was nice too. They she was liked a sweetheart. Her. Yeah, they're the two yeah, nice ones. Yeah, those are the ones. two nice ones. But anyway, um, yeah, now the of god of death was the one that really stood out to me. Yeah. as the most ominous. Mm-hmm, for um, sure. And they do just sort of reference him as like it's not good when anybody whispers. <laughs> I love it. Um, but I also think what he says is pretty horrifying. And if I'm looking at any kind of an epic journey and I hear someone say, we'll get to know each other eventually, I feel like potentially this guy might be coming I mean, back. Death does come for us all. Yeah, after yeah, all. yeah. It's true. It's true. Uh, so it's yeah, a very, it's a very literal thing. That I he do says just sort of wonder. Way. Totally. Yeah, yeah. I just wonder. You know, like. Yeah. What does that yeah, mean? Yeah. What does that what mean? What does that mean? When? When will we get to talk to him again? Well, anyway, so. So, so we, yeah, we, you can move past the gods great. if you like. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so there are other ones. I, I honestly, I don't think there was a lot of, of other direct inspiration in there from, um, from characters. What about uh, Beats Working? Oh, well, I guess uh, I guess the, him, I just wanted someone ethereal who had like a kind of like dichotomous opposite that he would say. And I guess that was like a little more like Paul Lind. And, right, and the, right. Paul Lind. That's the one I was looking for. Beats Working. <laughs> right. That's the one I was looking for. Yeah. Okay, great. Now we can move on. Thank now you. that I heard Paul You're Lind. You're looking for Lind. Yeah, I was great. looking for Lind. Um, so we, we get to the end of the sequence uh, and then they finally get to make their case before the 12, which is an incredible moment mm-hmm. where uh, Joe Costa really steps up to the plate yeah. in this beautiful way. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's funny because, you know, Joe Costa has kind of ID'd herself as, like, the naive one that kind of steps in it, that, like, doesn't know enough about niceties to really navigate her way well through social situations. Right, other than that she's just very kind. So yeah. she'll, like, always be kind in whatever way she can be. Right, absolutely. But, like, a moment where she's really called upon to be eloquent is super antithetical to the character she established. Yeah, yeah. Which is why, like, seeing that character rise to the occasion is such amazing early character development that... That just like has organically happened. Yeah, and it's happened now several times where she sort of feels like the kind of person. She's the one who talks to the to the guys at the campfire first. Yeah, like yeah. she's always she the puts one, herself out they there. They put her. They sent her out to go talk to Papa Curio. Yeah, like she is yeah, always true. the she's orator up to the plate. of this group, even yeah. though she feels like. Maybe that's not what she was initially trained to do. But yeah, now, yeah. now she's good at it. She's, yeah, she's, she's certainly better at it, it than the rest of them. For sure. <laughs> so it's glad and that yeah, she's there. In, in, in Queen Castani's chamber, too. Yep. It's like, I'm going to speak because I I'll think speak Edgar's going to get us killed. Because Edgar keeps talking, somebody's going to get killed. So she handles it beautifully. Yeah. Uh, they offer uh, the chance to go back to their sovereign and their people and try to change their nation's ways and the digging of the Talia Shire mines and stop the deforestation. Right. 
Right. Um, and should they fail, the three <laughs> plagues will unfold. Yes, Selena. <laughs> As Selena identifies, she is especially better at it than Herman is. Yes. <laughs> Significantly uh, so. Which, as I said, uh, very improv moments. Uh, Herman's horrible beatboxing. And yes, oh my impromptu God. Impromptu rap. So bad. Um, but I'll say something we skipped over. Oh, please. The most important part of the gods is mm. Domino arriving, correct? Well, yeah, but he, he doesn't like really have a scene with him until after all the gods leave. Right, but yeah. we do see that initial uh, conversation where he says, "Oh shit!" Hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. And and uh, you know, I'll say in my reading of it, the first couple times that I listened to it, mm. every time I heard the way that he you performed that towards Edgar, it always sounded to me like Domino had some done something bad. Well, he feels and guilty. He, Domino feels guilty. Well, 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 he he just feels like a little weird that like it's weird now, right? Like like. Edgar used draconic magic in the necklace of Octoc Tune to yeah. improve his voice. Uh, he was outed. Domino realized he's like embarrassed that he never knew after all those years. Right. He like takes the magic out of Edgar's thunder loot, which of course gets reinstated in this episode. Yeah. But like you know, like things are awkward now. So I think he's like really like girding his loins. He never thought he was gonna have to interact with this with this person again. Right. Right. Which is also why now that he's finally in the room with him again, why he's willing to sort of. Offer up the chance to be right. his votary again. Great, great. Okay, that makes sense to me. So, so the first thing that Edgar says is like, "I'm sorry, yeah, or Domino. I'm so sorry." Edgar does not say, "I'm sorry," easily. No, I'll say. definitely not. Um, and there is a moment later in the episode where he says, "How many times do I have to say it?" Mm-hmm. And I hadn't clocked actually that he had said it at all. I think that's the only actual time that he says, "I'm sorry," is that initial. Greeting. He says, I'm sorry. And then he says, do you swear never to do it again? And then he says, I, yes, I, I, I swear on Herman's life. Yeah. And then and then sort of backtracks on that. So we never actually get a real, uh, true, grounded, I'm sorry from Edgar. So there is something in me that always wondered whether or not he was actually sorry, whether he was just trying to get out of it, get get what he needed out of the situation. I don't totally know. Oh, that's interesting. Well, he does, he says it originally when Domino first appears. That's what I mean. And he calls mean. him out. And then he, yeah, then he says, I am so sorry how many times do I have to say it in that second exchange? Uh, does he say, I'm so sorry how many, I think he just says, how many times do I have, he says, if you're really sorry, and then he says, how many times do I have to oh, say I it? Oh, I see, I see. Yeah. I don't think he ever says it again. <laughs> Selena Knight asks, does Edgar even value Herman's life? Certainly, Certainly not. Certainly not. At least not in that moment. <laughs> not he in that moment. Doesn't. He's like weirdly willing to Maybe make Maybe there's Herman a world where he will grow life. to love Herman, but but we don't see it yet. Episode 3 is not that <laughs> Episode day. Episode 3 is not that day. Um, um, so however, yeah, yeah. the fact that he's, right, he swears on Herman's life, this is a good point, Selena Knight, is that he swears on Herman's life because it doesn't mean anything to him, right? So, mm. like, that's why he chooses Herman's life, not because... Whatever, not because he's actually sorry, but because yeah. he doesn't actually want to lose anything if he lies. He makes he right? makes the most cowardly choice still, even definitely, though definitely. he desperately wants the magic. And it convinces Domino, uh, which to me speaks to Domino's ego, maybe a little bit. Well, it's also about the promise, right? If you swear never to use draconic magic again, right. then I'll give you you this, which is the second time in this episode where we get the sort of stipulation, right? Like, right. you can have what you want. If, if you, do, you this. do this. Yeah. Or in both cases, they're expressly forbidden from doing something. Right. In right. Castani's case, they are to never return to Karkatara ever again. In Domino's case, there he is to never deal with draconic magic ever again. Right, right. So uh, those are the Yeah, the but rules but again, what what I'm saying is that he 
he says, do you swear to never do this again? Mm-hmm. And and Edgar says, I swear on something that I don't mind yeah. losing. So, like, right, very right. clearly, if, if Domino had dug into that swearing a little bit more, he flies right past it. He's like, do you still have it? He's just so excited yeah, to he see was the a, loot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he he's, doesn't he's really... Not, he's not a god without ego. And and the fact that he's able to trust Edgar so quickly speaks yeah. to me that that he just was excited yeah. that, his, that somebody wanted to Gives, follow him again. Yeah. Yeah, it gives you a glimpse of what their relationship once was. Yeah, you know? absolutely. He was his he was his boy. Yeah. Uh, Great. Magic restored yeah, to the thunder Beautiful little moment. Ooh. Well underscored. And that lick that he does. Oh yeah, dust it off, play something. Dust it off, play something. Ooh, it's so good. It's such a sick lick. I love that the improv line that follows it is like, ah, but out of practice anyway. And it's like, <laughs> it's such a sick little lick. Uh, truly yeah. love that. Uh, and you know, when we're making the episodes, the music is the last thing that gets added. So we listen to the episode several times before the music gets put in. Oh, yeah. So once they added that lick, and now every time we've heard it, we're always like, oh, my oh God, my gosh, it's, it's so good. Because I think in the improv, it was J- just Jake saying, uh, sizzling guitar lick. Sizzling guitar lick. <laughs> <laughs> Which it was. It was, um, yeah. They leave. Uh, they mm. leave the sanctuary of they the gods. They get brought out uh, by <laughs> Giselda, and Roscoe has no chill about <laughs> getting no patience. Out. No like patience. now that this clock is Giselda on, Giselda has done nothing wrong. Three days out from the first plague, she says goodbye, everyone. He goes goodbye. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, Edgar had been flirting. She was engaging. He has no time for it, which no I think is time. an incredible sense <laughs> of urgency now instilled in They're him. They're also now met with that same crowd that they just left. Yeah. They oh, and we forgot we of didn't course, talk about them discovering what their, their band new name, name is. So yeah. they'd been the Beat Sovereigns. They decided at the end of E two not B E E T sovereigns. B E A T sovereigns. B E A T sovereigns. <laughs> As we discussed, <laughs> As in, we the discussed in the last loop. <laughs> um, yeah, and and so now uh, once he he restores the magic to Edgar's as he calls it, mythic thunder loot. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that prompts Jocasta to say, did Donna just give us a new name? Are we the votaries now? <laughs> <laughs> so then they go line. votaries and then they do... Uh, the disciples the of Morris. The disciples Mars. of Morris. Thank you, Herman. They're like, no, no that's not No, get me out of here. Absolutely Herman. not. Herman. And then they land on Mythic Thunderloot the as Thunderloot. their band name. And their announcement of Mythic Thunderloot, also leaving Herman out actively. Really excellent. <laughs> really excellent. But was so uplifting, was such an exciting moment, and it yeah. felt like a culmination of so many of the things that we've been trying to build. Yeah, yeah, right. So them deciding to go up and say their name mm-hmm. to the group, because that wasn't totally prompted, right? Not at all prompted. It, we didn't tell them that they had to go announce their new name. No, not at all. But they were still Stoked to go do They were so, so excited to share it because they knew they were in front of their fans and what's their message to their fans. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, we're going to be interested to see how many of these people that, that now have seen them as Mythic Thunderloot then follow them as a band. Fandom is something we haven't explored a lot in the world yet. Uh, and we're yeah. we're sort of excited to see where that where that goes and where that takes us. Absolutely. Um, and so yeah, we, we get that moment where they count to three. They say Mythic Thunderloot. Uh, Sheriff Gutendell, one of his rangers, 
reunites them with their steeds. With their steeds, their sweet, sweet, smelly steeds. Mm-hmm. And then they hop on their horses and they run into the forest uh, to try to get back to talk to their sovereign, to go do what the gods have asked them yeah, to do. Yeah, yeah. They, they set off on their quest, mm-hmm. on their newfound quest uh, that Zodindra has now sort of quested them on. Yes. Uh, also, again, banished from Karkatara now. Yeah. All four of them now, well, all five of them now banished yeah, from Karkatara. Yeah, yeah. Are no longer able to come back. Yeah. Um, so they run into General General Alvar, mm-hmm, uh, who is in out. very good spirits, very happy to see them, happy to hear that everything went yeah, well. Yeah, that peace has been restored to the land, and then uh, you know, very disappointed to learn about their banishment. Yeah. He says uh, a tearful goodbye to Edgar, more yeah. tearful than for for Alvar than Edgar. Than for Edgar, <laughs> sure, maybe. But also, I did I did feel like Edgar found a real reverence for that relationship. Yeah, definitely. Especially because it came back. I wonder if he wouldn't have thought about it twice had it not. But the fact that they ran into Alvar again and Alvar really bookended their time in Karkatara, it felt like Edgar got a chance to reflect in a way. Yeah, he he it, wasn't sort of like heightened and defensive at right, that point. Yeah. He was able to be calmer and like maybe more who he actually used to be with yeah. Alvar. Yeah. Uh, so that felt nice yeah. to, who's also to his former with. mentor and I think I said in a previous episode of Shoot the Loot uh, the guy who taught him the loot yeah the man know? who taught him how to play yeah. uh, and, and who had such belief in him that he brought him into the city even though he knew it was a great risk to his own yeah. safety yeah right so so yeah, it meant a lot. I was really glad that they got that goodbye. We wanted to make sure that they yeah that they got that, that we together. Closed that loop. Um, um, and he warns of the elven army encampment that lies just ahead, led by Colonel Tarsk, mm-hmm. who uh, is the guy who cold shouldered Roscoe at the campfire in E two. Yeah. Who uh, Oliver was kind of arguing with uh, and sort of saying yeah. that Edgar should go into Red Fear. Not a super nice guy. Not a guy we love. He, uh, and he's, we sort of get like an echoing of the same threat that Castani made, which is yeah. like, if he ever shows his aged face here again, Yeah, although it feels a little more, you know, like... It's way more personal. Yeah, Castani, it feels a little more bureaucratic, yes. you know? Yeah, like yeah, yeah, she's doing things because she feels that is how rulers handle things. Yeah, and, and it's, like, it's about the image of the nation and, right. and, and she like, is the crown. You, you could know? change that image based on, based on what decisions you make and so there's lots of ways to get around a bureaucratic death Uh, whereas this felt a little more immediate like if they were to run into Colonel Tarsk we don't know that that they would be safe yeah 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 uh, for sure there's definitely that implication there and truly miraculously they actually rolled just well enough they needed to roll a 15 or higher to uh, stealthily sneak past the encampment and they all did the last person it was Edgar Edgar, was 15 rolled a 15 just barely man like it it could have been a very different exchange with uh, with Mr. Tarsk yeah 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 um so they get through, no problem, which is a good thing because we have a whole other... Because they're just about to fight another battle. Danger waiting for them. <laughs> yeah. Once they reach uh, the, the border of Karkatara into Edenia, now which this, is, of course, the na- the province of King's Run. Right. Now, this section was one of the most exciting for us uh, as we were getting ready for it, as we mm. were, like, building to it. It's the very first combat that they've entered into. Yeah. Again, they've avoided a lot of combat along the way. 
Surprisingly, Surprisingly. in D&D, combat is very, I mean, as many of you know, it's very, very common. It's a thing that happens almost every time you play. If combat doesn't happen when you play, it's a little weird. It's like, seems like maybe you didn't get to what you needed to get to then. And to be fair, like, I was very much conscious of the fact that when we do finally get to combat, like, it needs to move at a pace unlike in a typical D&D game. So it feels cinematic, so it feels, like, satisfying to a listener in, in the context of a sort of musical. Right. So... Uh, as we were trying to figure out what this song was, Jake kept trying to put different things on it, and he was listening to it, trying to see how it could all fit in with the storytelling of each individual role and each individual way that the battle goes. As different people shoot arrows or get hit with arrows or decide to do something else, scream and hit their chests or whatever, uh, he wanted to make sure we were highlighting all those choices. So he built music around the battle rather than building a song to put on top of it and right. replace the moment. Yeah, more so than ever before, the music, as I'm sure you can tell, is is very integrated into it, and I think he did such a brilliant job. Brilliant. The it only was perfect. And I think the only other time we have a moment where, like, gameplay dialogue is is inserted into a song is during uh, Anyone Can Be King. Yeah. The dialogue sequences were the actual improv lines that, that he sort of knew he was going to break up the song to sort of frame that, right, that conversation. Right. So which was he started well building it with that underscoring leading into the song and mm-hmm. then and then found some really magical moments. Yeah. A major highlight is the Herman scream. Herman yeah. surprisingly rolls really well after yeah. being hit. Two nat 20s so two that he nat, doesn't fall unconscious after after being hit by this. So he gets this epic rock scream that is just awesome. Yeah. So hilarious. Yeah, and that, that tune is really all, all Jakey's brilliance. Yeah. Uh, you know, amply supported by... Uh, Dan Kazimi's zhuzhing and right. mixing and Yeah, 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 and truly, so that we could hear everything that we needed. Mm. Uh, another little issue we ran into in the in the creation of that sequence is um, Mayfield, as a singer, sounded a little bit like Edgar as a singer. So it started... Which the I, I don't believe they just, know that who that character is yet. Like, we, oh, haven't, we haven't named him. Right. But, but the, the guy who arrests him who, who was deceived by Edgar in the script. Yeah, and the man who's talking to them and yelling out to them yeah. saying surrender. But in the script, he is written as Major Mayfield. Major Mayfield. And his voice, especially his singing voice, did resemble Edgar's in a way that as there was so much happening in this song, it got a little confusing. So we had to go back and and rewrite a little of the lyrics just so that we were really highlighting who was who as everything was happening. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, and that's just a difference between like audio storytelling and visual visual yeah. storytelling. Yeah. It wouldn't have been any kind of an issue otherwise. Yeah. But suddenly, you know, it's things that we're not thinking about until we listen to the whole thing all in order. So like a day before we released it, we had to re-record that. Yeah, yeah, which was a, a good pivot. Yeah, and also just like talking about the actual gameplay of the moment, right? Mm-hmm. Like they had a chance to actually surrender mm-hmm. or try to run away or or like move through it or they could fight. Have done so many things. They you know, and they chose to engage in this very violent way, of course, really initiated by Edgar's Thunderloose drum, which is an amazing moment, right? It's the first yes. time we see the the full violent power, not just the musical power of the Thunderloot. Um we see uh you know, the with great power comes great responsibility moment for Edgar immediately taken advantage of. Mm-hmm. We see it wipe, like have devastating consequences yeah. to people who pose a, a significant threat, but <laughs> right. who it pose is. way more of a threat after he does that. It is really immediate how soon he betrays 
the use of this, like the responsible <laughs> use of this instrument yeah. he was just given back. Yeah. It's just like remarkable. <laughs> I think this is a good like poll for our listeners too. Like, <laughs> like how do you feel about that Edgar action? I know we talked when we asked Maddie Mastronardi, yeah. who was our collaborator we on Pieces Been shocked. Restored. We were like, what did you think when, when we're Edgar like, did we're that? We're a little worried that people are gonna we're gonna lose people is on unsa- Edgar. People unsavory? are gonna like hate him after Maddie, this moment. <laughs> Maddie said, he did what he had to do. <laughs> We're like, fuck. He did what he had to do. It was the only answer. <laughs> so, you know, I think for people who, like, <laughs> who who understand, like, you know, video games or D&D, like, making a choice like that may seem way less dire. But also bear in mind, these are musicians. Yeah. And, like, I don't know that Edgar's killed a man before, let alone yeah. 50 with he a single He definitely, he ran loop. away from his post as a, as a, king because he didn't want to be responsible for people's lives. He he had no interest in that. Oh, Selena Knight says Edgar support. <laughs> all right, all right. We Good. have I'm so we've got glad nothing but it. support from nothing Edgar's decision so and I love it. Thrilled. Um so, uh it's very sweet moment because Pugface and Roscoe are the last two standing, yeah. right? Uh, best friends, yeah. doing everything they can to save each other, to save their fallen comrades. Yeah. She shoots her arrows out. She kills two people. She's definitely never killed anyone before. Uh, so, you know, that's that's a lot going on for her. She almost immediately gets taken out. Roscoe dives into the fray, and he almost immediately gets taken out. And they're all passed out at this point. Mm-hmm. They all wake up in the jail. Uh, or in the in, dungeon. In the dungeon. Our first dungeon. Our first dungeon in the this series. Dungeons and Dragons campaign. Um, um, which, yeah, I guess, I guess the audience doesn't know exactly where that dungeon is located no, at this point in time. No, but you do sort of assume, I, as somebody who knows it slightly less well than you do, I, as a listener, sort of assumed that they were in a Borstead dungeon because they were among the Borstead that's, army. That's a know? totally fair um, assumption. Now, the first thing that happens when they wake up is something that really warmed us. Pugface wakes up and says, is Herman okay? Yeah. And yeah, a little unclear, again, if it's a Leah question or a Pugface question. But But, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Because earlier in that same episode, when he was was following behind them. I think just before they entered the sanctuary of the gods. He made some comment and Pugface started laughing. She said, oh. Herman, I forgot you were here, bud. I keep forgetting, <laughs> keep forgetting you're here, bud. <laughs> and then the second she wakes up from being injured. Is Herman there? Is Herman okay? Yeah. Is Herman with us? And like, yeah. Oh, yeah. God, it just made us Beautiful, like, wow. beautiful little moment. Oh, Again, really another another like episode arc where like the, the sort of loop gets completed. I think it was also sort of the moment where we, we were like, Herman might be in this for the long haul. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I don't, I don't know if we can tear them away from him without having a really good reason to. So, you know. We'll we'll make sure and take care of that storyline, whatever mm-hmm. happens. Um, so yeah, and then they're they're met with uh, Simon Crab, mm-hmm. uh, medieval defense attorney. Medieval defense attorney. <laughs> He's got a Karen by his side. Yep, same Karen who Joe Costa ran into in the second episode, beginning of the second episode, that she mm-hmm. sent her mother a message. At the Karen, and outpost. she's got a message back from Minerva, which is amazing. Yeah, she says, "I love you. I trust you. Do what you need to do yep. to take care of our farm." Yeah. 
Uh, and so with that, Jocasta feels resolved, yeah. feels like her mom knows what she's doing and she can move forward. And, Simon, and Simon Crabb kind of explains that uh, he's going to be representing them. They're about to do this a thing called a trial, which, uh, you know... You're going to learn a lot more about. You certainly will. Um, dramaturgically speaking, trials were not a thing of the time. Trials uh, were mostly like torture like you know it, it, like a trial as we know it today did not come into existence for a while after you know the medieval right it was usually just torture to get someone to confess right so they were just assuming you were guilty right. and and then they'd torture you until yeah. you told them either that you did it or who did do it but here they are preparing for like a sort of anachronistic modern trial as we understand it right. and sort of putting their case together. Which is also true to the podcast, right? We're, we're using a lot of... We, oh, yeah. We did our dramaturgical work and went through the different things that they might be working with in the medieval... or in medieval times and, like, mm-hmm. trying to figure out what kind of weapons they'd have or whatever, what kind of food they'd be eating. But also we wanted to make sure that this felt current and today and... For sure. And I, I think the, um, the bait of doing a trial of the Borstead Five right after the... Uh, yeah, yeah. when we were recording right. this, we had just watched uh, the, trial the Trial of the, of the Chicago, Chicago Seven. Seven. <laughs> so it felt it felt ripe for the picking. Really um, did. Which, of course, is, is the tease uh, at the end of the episode. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so Simon gets to sort of like prepare them a little bit mentally for what's about to unfold. Yeah. And then uh, asks them their first big uh, thing that they get to choose in how this trial is going to go down, which is uh, who they want their character witness to be. Right. Um, which they choose none other than Sheriff Gutendell. Or Michael Caine with a cold. Michael Caine with a cold, who who sort of parted ways with a very, uh, very saccharine... <laughs> Sweet, like a, almost a little sad, uh, talking about how little time he he had to, to any, how much he was willing to spend yeah, time with people he Pug loved. Pugface's response, as we've said in previous episodes of Shoot the Loot, she is our resident nonverbal responder. Yeah, and her understanding of what he was saying when he said, "I love to get out and see people that I love," and she just goes, "Oh." <laughs> yeah, that's exactly it. Like, it hits her really hard. She's, yeah. like, sad and yeah, flattered. Yeah, she feels, like, the pain of it. And she doesn't quite understand him. It's pretty, it's pretty spectacular. <laughs> it's so good. So they summon uh, Sheriff G to be their character witness. Kathy the K-Ren flies out of the cell. And before Simon Crab can say another word, a big burly guard opens the dungeon door and says, please do follow me. The trial of the Borstead Five is about to begin. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that is where we end our episode. Yeah, an exciting cliffhanger uh, yep. into, uh, you know, into E4, which to uh, give a tease without giving any sort of spoiler, I'll say is... Maybe one of the most uh, unique episodes we have planned, certainly in the first half of our first season. Definitely. Now, something else I'll say is that um, our endings, our three endings that we've had so far, Mm -hmm. uh, our first one ends with Morris bursting through the temple, creating sort of a devastating but like awe inspired moment yeah. for our players. Provoked by a song. Provoked by a song. Uh, they don't totally know how to deal with it, but everybody in the audience and all the players kind of understand it's not a good thing yeah. what just happened, right? Like uh, some horror, he's going to go destroy the destroy Adenia. 
And then the second episode, we end with this amazingly uplifting moment. Provoked by a song. Provoked by a song where they are singing. They are doing their first song as a band. They are getting a lot of great feedback. They've played something really awesome and they feel really accomplished. So the difference between how they left those two episodes was pretty stark. And now this one, again, they're sort of being faced with something that they don't know how to do. So Yeah. So even though it feels like something that in our world might not feel as horrifying as a god bursting through a ceiling and saying he's going to destroy the entirety of Adenia, yeah. they are now Im- going to be immediately put on a- on trial, yeah. and they are going to have to deal with it in yeah. some way. Very, very out of their element. Very different kind of fear and sort of like in that. You know, the, the, the chickens come home to roost, mm-hmm. right? Like every decision that they made in the first three episodes uh, is sort of laid out in these sort of accusations by the defense attorney, right? Like, you're accused of uh, incitement of the apocalypse, uh, resisting arrest, Mm -hmm. uh, uh, deceiving the officers of the law, uh, uh, obstruction of justice. Uh Um, Uh-huh. 52 counts of murder most foul. 52 counts of murder most foul. So it's like, uh, that's like all of their uh, ill deeds, you know, are now. And in D&D, there are consequences, as as every player knows. You can't do something without it affecting someone else or affecting something else in the in the game. So, mm-hmm. so this is this is a huge consequence that they yeah. are now facing. Yeah, uh, I, I feel very. I think we've talked about this a little bit before. Very inspired by the idea of the morality game and this, yeah. you know, this trial. Uh, the idea of the trial is certainly. Uh, very inspired by that. <laughs> Selena Knight says, as long as Herman stays silent and doesn't beatbox, they sound like they will be okay. You might be right. You may be right. We'll find uh, out. We'll see how it all goes down. Uh, you know, as we've said, some of them are great at talking to people and others are not as great at talking to people. So there's there's a lot to learn. There's yep. a lot to wonder about. Yeah. And so, there's so three more amazing songs coming your way. Yep. We're hard at work on it. Uh, for everyone listening uh, on our actual podcast streaming services, we'll be at you with that episode next week. As I said, can't wait to no. get it to you. Oh, yes, yes, mm-hmm. yes. For everyone listening now, for yeah. our Twitchers, you won't see it for two weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, Patreoners. Uh, Patreoners, yeah, two for two weeks. Uh, but yeah, that's the plan, y'all. We can't yeah. wait to bring it to you. Um, and uh, thank you so much for tuning in to Shoot the Loot. Thank you. We love you. And we'll talk to y'all soon. See y'all next time. wondered how your favorite performer actually feels? Well, here's your chance. Welcome to The Quiet Part Out Loud with me, Bobby Steggert, Broadway actor and now a therapist to a whole host of Broadway creatives. Part interview, part therapy, this is not your typical podcast. We'll go right to the heart of things with some of your favorite artists, what they still struggle with, what lessons they've learned, what they haven't figured out yet. There's enormous power in saying the quiet part out loud. Are you listening? Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work 
or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R E R I S E T H E A T R E dot org because only together we rise. <laughs> 